Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's go before the throne of glory in prayer. What a time to be talking about how much we love him and how much he loves us as we are on this Wednesday, second Wednesday of Advent, as we're looking toward the manger scene where the ultimate demonstration of love toward mankind was made tangible. Father, we just thank you for allowing us, Lord, to be part of that love story, wrapped up in that divine love story. You so loved the world, so loved us, so loved me individually. And Lord, we just love you back. You just take care of us. You guide us, protect us, inspire us, inspire us, Lord, strengthen us. That's the kind of God that you are. We thank you, dear Lord, today that we can rest upon your, oh Lord, uh, your strength and your arms to get us through. And I pray, Lord, your blessing, continued blessings over your, your children today, those navigating through tough situations, uncertainty. We glorify you. We thank you. We lean upon you. We send the word of healing and strength and comfort and peace, Lord, because that's the kind of God that you are. We thank you this day as we celebrate you, not only here in this sanctuary as we feel your presence, but in every home, Lord, that watches us right now. We send blessings their way. We send your peace. We send your glory, dear Lord. Words cannot explain, dear Father. Today we just praise you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord, as we send peace, as we send, Lord, your presence into our homes, into our families right now, Lord. We can dwell and lavish, Lord, right now and bask in your glory. Thank you, dear Lord, that we can find rest in you in a world of turmoil, of ups and downs and uncertainties. Lord, that we can just land before you and feel your comfort. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, and I thank you. Amen, and amen, and amen. Praise the Lord. God is so amazing. Amen, and amen. You may make yourself comfortable wherever you are. Of course, we thank those that are watching us right now and streaming through. We just thank you for joining us on this day, and we celebrate your presence with us. We celebrate the fact that we can just even two or three gather a small group here, but there in your homes as well, and be able to sense on this Wednesday such a special move of God. It is, it is refreshing in this time, in this world, in this society, in this context of uncertainties everywhere. Uh, our, our house, our spiritual house is built on the rock, which is Christ Jesus, immovable always. I'd like to guide you for a few moments in a passage of Scripture that in my opinion is lacking, is incomplete. Let me just preface what I'm going to read by just telling you that first. I think that um, the author here, yes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the author here absolutely directed by God to write, really felt drastically short in describing to us this powerful scene. But before I read it, I have to tell you that I don't think there's any human being that can do a better job. Before I go forward, I mean, I'm going to read it in English, but I don't think there's a language on earth that can adequately describe what John was trying to describe in the book of Revelation. What he saw, uh, the human mind saw it, definitely saw it, and certainly his emotions experienced it, and his brain was also able to syn synchronize all of the sight, all of the senses, uh, to be able to write 
this inspiration found in Revelation chapter 4. But I have to, if I was grading this paper, it's, 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 it's definitely substandard because there's no way. But in fairness to language, in fairness to John, no one can really detail for us and paint the picture for us of the heavenly dwelling. And I want to read from Revelation chapter 4, first 11 verses. I'm going to read it through because what I want to do in the minutes that I have is I want to draw a parallel. We're here on the second Wednesday uh, toward, uh, moving toward Advent, um, rather toward Christmas. And um, I, I want to use this, and I've titled this uh, short uh, uh, reflection today, A Christmas Scene in Heaven. And it's kind of like a Christmas scene. So watch me as I, I, I just connect Christmas as we know with the manger scene and all that happened in, in the Gospels in the New Testament and connect it to here John's inspiration found in Revelation. And remember in the backdrop of what I was saying, what I was saying in the backdrop, we're, we're reading it in human language, but it is really impossible, impossible until we get there to the other side to fully experience what John was attempting to paint for us uh, through, uh, uh, through these words. That's Revelation 4, verses 1 through 11. Follow me as I read this passage. Normally, I don't read this much uh, biblical passages, but I'm going to do it tonight. And I'll read it slowly and as, uh, as that way it can sink into our hearts. Verse 1 of chapter 4. After this, I looked. And there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby a rainbow that shone like emeralds encircled the throne, surrounding the throne with 24 uh, other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the, thr from the throne came flashes of light, rumbling, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. There were seven spirits of God also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creatures were like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face of a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around. Even under its wings, day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. 
What a wonderful scene we see here. In fact, he's trying to be, as I mentioned, as clear as he could to be able to describe it. And I think what happens oftentimes, and there's a lot of symbolic things here, which we won't get into this evening, but I think what happens when we find ourselves uh, not being able to find adequate words to describe, we almost go into hyperbole and kind of describe beyond what we actually see and kind of embellish a bit. But even with that, my, the, my initial introductory point was we'll never be able to fully comprehend the heavenly realm. We'll never be able to see. He talks here about, about uh, a sea of glass, crystal, and it's really like, not that it was. And in other places we've read of streets of gold. And it wasn't that they necessarily might be, but that's the only connection he can make to something of beauty and of high value. But if we look at this, and this is the reading for today, by the way, in our daily Bible reading, it's very interesting how we can connect this to the Christmas that we're about to celebrate on the 25th, according to our tradition. A voice is heard. Isn't that what happened when Jesus was getting ready toward the end of his time, of, or, or rather through his ministry, in preparation, going to fulfill the mission of rescuing mankind, where a voice was heard on the day of his baptism, according to Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 10, a thunderous voice, this is my son. We hear a voice here. Uh, isn't it interesting that he says in verse 2 that I was suddenly caught up in the Spirit at once, that when I was reading this, and every time I read it, it kept reminding me about the Spirit showing up on the, at the upper room in the book of Acts. Inter interesting parallels. We, we see here also that he's describing uh, lightning and rumblings and thunder. There too, I, I could not help but think about the star of Bethlehem that was guiding toward the baby in the manger. You know, I'll even go as far as he's mentioning here, animals. You know, you see a lion, a flying eagle, an ox. Uh, Jesus was born in a manger, a place made for animals, not made for any child certainly to be born. Strong parallels that are here. The other parallel I see is with, with, uh, with the elders. They would bow down. They would take off their crowns and bow down and lay them before him. Isn't, like that, isn't that like the kings or the wise men or the magi, whatever, however, whichever part of the New Testament you use to describe it, that went and laid down their gifts before the king? It's almost as Christmas here is an anticipation of, uh, or imagery rather, of what is going to happen up there when we get there. That's why maybe, just maybe, we should value more the Christmas here because it might just very well be a rehearsal for what we're going to experience up there. Isn't it powerful? I mean, there's no contradiction here. There isn't. And if you think about even the inadequacies of being able to describe it, the appearance of the king of kings into the history of mankind was also an understatement. Born in a manger, couldn't find a place at all. No royalty, no trumpet sounding, but certainly nature reacting. And so the 24 elders bowing down, worshiping, it's really showing here in, in Revelation the homage that is rendered to the king, the homage that is rendered to him who sits on the throne, like those wise men that brought their gifts before the king. In fact, even, even the breaking out of celebration at the end of verse 11, you are worthy, and it's almost like a song of praise. It, it reminded me 
of Mary's uh, uh, Magnificat. You know, uh, my soul does magnify the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. The parallel is important, church, for us. Oftentimes when we study Scripture, and oftentimes when we, particularly Scriptures like the Christmas story, which is repeated every year, and before you know it, we can become very, very comfortable with the story and not even read it again because we've already read it before. And there's certain things in church practice and church liturgy that we have to be careful that the repetition doesn't make it lose value. Another example that I can use in making the point is communion because we celebrate communion often, but we oftentimes may not value it the way it should. And all I want to do today is to be able to impress those that are watching me, those that are here, that Christmas is not just another date on the calendar, but rather we can see that it even has eternal representation for us as well. That John was, was, was taken into a moment, uh, a, a very spiritual transportation, if you will, for John, that he was able to see uh, an eternal picture of what we see every single year at the end of the year. Uh, but let us please uh, understand that this small picture that we see on the 25th of December when we celebrate, and this year is going to be awfully different because of what we're going through around the world, nonetheless, we, we have to give value and have to emphasize the significance of God making his presence to rescue mankind of God loving us so much that he would incarnate and come and dwell among us and dwell with us. That's why I like the way it closes out here. And with this, I'll close and then lead you in a moment of prayer where it goes into verse 11. It says, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, power, for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and, have been, and, and their being. What we see in that is that certainly it applies there in Revelation, but isn't it easy also to apply that to the manger scene? There God made himself present for me and for you. And as we move forward in Advent, let's keep that in mind. Let's resist the routine and let's refresh our thinking and our view of the arrival of our Savior, not only for mankind, but for each one of us individually. Father, I thank you for these moments that I have to reflect upon this powerful reading from the book of Revelation. And Lord, yes, I, I did comment an indictment against John that he wasn't able, Lord, to, to adequately describe, but it really is an indictment on our human limitations that the simplicity of Christ being born was really very powerful. Man was not able to, so you decided to dwell among us. Help us to grasp that, Lord. Help us to appreciate what took place for our redemption. And that as we move forward anticipating the Christmas celebration, that those thoughts can resonate in our minds, Lord, so that we can fully appreciate how much you loved us. I thank you as I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord forever.